Welcome to Blue State Conversations. This is our place to discuss the political theory from all sides, bridging the political divides that split our society. Good evening. Good evening. Ah, well, it is time for episode five. I know. Season season three. Woo! Yeah. That's exciting. Exciting stuff. I know. So why don't we go ahead, jump right into the opening problem and see what we've got today. A little bit a little bit a little bit different. Okay. And here's our opening problem. A favorite refrain in left-wing Christian writing is the idea that Jesus is a politic. That taken as a whole, Jesus leads us to a rather specific direction or policy because the values he expresses must lead us to these conclusions, if we're honest. Of course, prosperity gospel preachers and MAGA and any other Christian is also sure that their specific policy is supported by Jesus' teachings. There are clearly commands in the Bible, but we're not Jews necessarily, so we already ignore some of those. And there's many books written on the context of these commands. And so for today's opening question, we ask, is Jesus actually on the side of one party or another? Yeah, and, and the, the first thing to the, when you hear the f phrase, you know, Jesus is a politic, it, um, it's sort of an older word. Um, it means of or relating to civil government. And it can also mean a wise set of policy or promoting a specific set of policies. So, um, you know, you might have heard it used in the sentence like the body politic. So typically when somebody is saying something like Jesus is a politic, um, what they're really just trying to say is the politics of Jesus. That's kind of the modern way we would, we would normally phrase that. Uh, other ways could be the politic of the left, politic of socialism, politic right. of conservatives. Right. It's essentially the singular view of politics, which would be the politics yeah. of you're, people. You're, yeah, you're talking of plural, something plurality. that's relating to civil government. It's a little bit more of a vague term, um, but usually people will mean um, we're promoting a specific set of policies. Mm -hmm. um, so the first thing that I do want to bring up, and that there is no getting around the fact that if you're a Christian, Jesus is very important to your public life. There's, there's no getting around that fact. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, you know, the, there's been suggestions made by others that religion is private, and then there's a common public sphere. Um, that I believe that that even entered into Obama's um, national prayer national prayer breakfast speech, where he talked about the idea that you know, hey, hey, hey there's your beliefs. That's that's all that's all great, but you do that on your own time, and then when you join the rest of us, there's sort of this whole different public sphere, and you act in the public sphere. Um, oh, yeah. No, there's there's different ways that this gets acted out. For instance, my father-in-law would take my wife and I out to eat. And the first time that that happened when we were boyfriend and girlfriend, I was kind of surprised that despite being Christians, they didn't pray before we ate at the table. And I thought, well, that's kind of weird considering it's not like they don't tip well, you know. Right. So uh, so <laughs> when I when I go to, to, to and I go out to eat, I have no problem letting the, them, if they happen to see that, that we're praying, well, they're not going to care because I tipped well at the end of the night. And so th that's a kind of a side thing is that your, your beliefs, like you said, like it, they, should, they should impact your public life, not just right. what people saw, but also that Jesus taught to be generous, so I should be generous. And therefore, it's, 
I, I, I'm perfectly fine with people seeing that it's a part of my life so long as I treat them like they're also a child of God. Yeah. And, and whenever you sit and whenever you hold a belief, like free expression or the idea that we should express our beliefs, if you're not able to express them, then you don't have the ability to, um, it just doesn't exist. And so if for, you're not allowed to, you, sh you can't. Right. Right. So for Christians, you know, um, we, we hold that there are certain truths in life. We believe them to be true. We say they're true. You know, we have, we have entire creeds that we recite, um, off key every Sunday. And, <laughs> you know, those, those things, when you say, I believe this, you wouldn't, you would never go, I believe this. I just don't want anyone to know about it. No, you, you would go <laughs> and say, no, I believe this is the truth. I would act, you would act on it. And that's yeah. why I want to tell you about it. Right. Um, you know, that's actually how our freedom of religion is built around is the idea that expression and practice are what makes a religion and belief true. So, um, when somebody tests sincerity of belief, um, outside of the current pandemic, cause apparently we don't test this way anymore, but, uh, mm. the way it used to be was, um, consistency of behavior with express belief is how they would usually, uh, go about that. I, I got that from, um, George, uh, Georgetown Berkeley center, which is a law program. So th that's typically how they would test that sincerity. So somebody would say, okay, they're a Christian. Oh, they go to church. Um, oh, they, they've, uh, you know, been donating. They've been in, in these programs. They follow certain precepts. They have certain things they've said certain, you know, they get baptized. They, they would be able to go, oh, he has consistent actions rather than somebody showing up and be like, I'm a Christian. I deserve accommodation and be like, well, when did you go to church? Uh, 1976. Oh, no, no, no. Those are the people that respond and say, well, I don't go to church, but my, I practice my religion at home. Right. I know plenty of people like that. Right. But even then they would, they would want you to go, oh, so do you have a home church? They would have, they would, they would find you have. Oh, well, there's a difference between somebody who has a church that they used to go to and they're still considered to be a part of that church, but they're stuck in home for one reason or another versus somebody who's doesn't right. go out to church because they've never gone or never made the effort. So there aren't anyone at a church that they would call home or have fellow believers. True. So of course, when you have hold certain values, that's going to dictate your policy. As that, it should. Yeah. If you, if you hold, if, you know, if you hold something to be self-evident, then you're going to act on it. Let's, let's also take a second here to note that some, there's going to be somebody who listens to this and says, well, I don't believe in God. So like either they're agnostic or they are, what's the other one? There's atheist, uh, agnostic. Atheistic agnostic. or agnostic. What's really interesting though is what I would say to somebody who says that they either don't believe that there is a God or that there might be a God, but they don't believe in one specifically. They might say, don't bring your religion into law. And what I would argue is that somebody who is agnostic or atheistic is bringing their religion into the law every time they vote or any time that they express a political opinion based off of their experience as agnostic or atheistic. In fact, there's a, I believe there is a church of atheism and a church of agnosticism. Therefore, they are bringing it into law any time that they discuss their religion or lack thereof in their own opinion. Right. Well, you hold, right, you have certain values, even if you believe there is no God. You believe that it doesn't, he doesn't you exist. You still that, that, have values. You have values. And those values come from some sort of framework that you've built the world around. 
whether it's a religious framework or not, there's a value that you hold. You hold certain things to be true. And so, therefore, so right. if I wanted to, to turn this around, uh, that type of person who would say, you're not like you shouldn't bring your religious values to the table. If you were, if that same person were to go and walk the streets of maybe like a very poor area, they shouldn't go and tell people who are, who are poor and say, you shouldn't bring your poorness to the voting booth, like their uh, values as, right. as, as from experiencing poverty yeah, are not never worthy say that about of, any of the group. Yeah, exactly. It would be, it would be, a, there's an ism for it. Um, elitism even. Yeah. It's, I mean, where you can't find the, uh, <laughs> you can't find those crowds that are like the lived experience. You can't find those guys all of a sudden. Um, <laughs> you know, but that's, it, it is important that when you, when you have a belief sy system, it's constructed from something. There are certain first principles. There are certain base values that everybody holds. And then you have a way of applying it to life. You know, uh, how, how do you determine whether somebody's a good friend? There's, mm -hmm. you have a system of values and what do you value in a friend? Some people value honesty. They want brutally honest friends. Other people really don't want brutally honest friends. They want people that are very, you know, sociable. They want to, you know, maybe they, um, I know people who they, they really don't want their friends to tell them the honest truth. They want their friends to just be fun. Yeah, there are people I, like that. Yeah. I, I go to you guys for fun and that's, so if you're fun, you're my friend. All right. So the, there's different values. So the how do you double F. Yeah. The fun <laughs> friends. The fun friends. Exactly. So that's, that's the way you have to kind of view it. We, we're not saying that any, you know, whenever somebody says something like you're forcing your beliefs on me. It's like any, at, and at, you know, I think we did have a whole, we talked about this at one point, one of our early episodes that, you know, at, at any point, whenever you're making any decision, there is an imposition on other people. Um, and whenever you're making a decision as a group, then somebody has to slightly impose on others. It's not possible to make a decision otherwise. Well, you can't have everyone be happy. That's never right. going to happen. No. No, it's not. And that's, that's one of the, the troubles of forming government. Um, and that does bring us to, you know, the, the next thing that I, I always like to tell people that uh, whenever we get into these discussions about, um, Christianity and Jesus and, and how do you apply that to public policy? And one of the things that I always say is that zoning laws aren't in Matthew. Um, and what I mean by that is simply, you're not going to find every single policy or every single um, prescription or whatever you, you have, you can't find them spelled out in the Bible, right? How, how do you know what fair zoning laws are? You don't, it's, it's not, you can't go, well, in Ezekiel 2.15, no, you can't do that. You know, there's, it's not in there. You can, there's general things you can draw from and there's values that the Bible has and you can apply them. Right. So like, for well, example, there, fairness. there are also, there are things in the Bible that you wouldn't necessarily say because this thing is designated as wrong, it should be illegal. There, yeah, there's that too. Yeah. Because again, you don't want, you know, do you want to, do you want to live in a theocracy? Um, you know, if most saying, people don't No, most people don't where it's, you know, that we're going, we're all, you're, we're all going to be Methodists or nothing at all. No, no, we're not going to do that. You know? It's the same way to say that there's, there's absolutely no form of government that the Bible says, do this, not that. Right. And, and, and they, he, they do actually get, uh, God does chide them for 
saying they want a king. He does. They say, wanted what, what? a king, and yeah. then he gave them a king, and then they were ruined for it. Yeah, and he said, "Hey, the king's gonna act like a king." <laughs> you know, he said, "So don't co- don't come to me complaining when they do." I think that's the message version. Um, <laughs> but you know, for example, um, along there was a lot a common Southern argument uh, when they argued against you know Northern um, abolitionists was that you know, hey, you you guys talk all about this freedom and it sounds great, but look at those look at those poor people in your factories. They're getting limbs hacked off. They're they're like sick, they're dying, they live in hovels, you know, they're squeezed into these rooms. They went on southern plantations. Slaves are well taken care of. We care for them. We're fair towards them. You know, they they talk and they said, We're we're Christian because we act Christianly to those who are under our care. And mm. right, they they would talk about that all that that was all through their writings. They were like There must no. have been so many people of color to go and support this with <laughs> with other written words and positive vocal <laughs> feedback out in the north to let right. everybody know how well taken care of they are. Well, yeah, you know, they would they'd have all these stats, but you know, like the you know, I think it was something like the average slave was well was better fed, right? You know, because again, you can't have slaves falling down; they mm. need to work, otherwise, your plantation doesn't work. Mm-hmm. You know, and so they would address these, you know, so it's like, hey, we're, we're generous towards our slaves. They, they, they eat well, they, they dress well, they, you know, they, they're doing very well. We care about them. Yeah, That like, could look, be crass, yeah. but we have sex with them and they have our children <laughs> so that they can have more slaves to work in our fields. Exactly. We look at, Aren't look at we all so of the, yeah, thoughtful, the generosity, um, you know, and that, so obviously the struggle for a lot of Christians is the exact policy is not always written out. So you have to implement values, but, ov- you know, for example, like the current big argument that you'll see is the argument between the complementarian view and the egalitarian view of marriage in the Christian church. Um, complementarian. I think you should, you should give yeah. a dis- definition for the Yeah, for sure. Those. So complementarian is the idea that, um, Men and women have uh, different but equal roles. Um, if we want to get cheeky on a political show, they are separate but equal. And <laughs> they, the, so the idea is that they the, complement the, each other. They complement each other. That's that's where the whole phrase comes from. So, you know, the idea is that the male is the head of the household and the, the female, you know, supports him. But the argument that a lot of complementarians would make is just because somebody's head of the household does not make it like better or where there are just. There are different roles given to each one, and therefore the two of them complement each other to create a better and more stable marriage. The egalitarian view is, no, 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 both partners are equal in all things. They are equal partners in all roles, in all decisions, everything. There's no head of the household. There's nobody who's the support. There's no homemaker, breadwinner, none, none of that. We are always equal in everything, and equally we will decide on our lives. That's the egalitarian view. That's usually the power play option because everybody knows that's just not how it is. Maybe that's my own bias here. Yeah. Well, they they would argue that it's it's not that it, they're going to be equal all the time, but it's they will make strive. the decision. Yeah, they'll there's strive no for it. they'll strive for it together. They're they're. Go- it's not the idea that both are at a hundred percent, but that nobody has a decision making ability over the other. Right. So it's, it's a very, again, it's egalitarian. It's hmm. we're, e- we're equal. So it's, you know, almost a democracy. 
Now, obviously, both of these people, they seek good and lasting marriages. Yeah. Right? They obviously differ on how to achieve that. So, obviously, are which one is the right and true way of Christ? Right? Which, which one? Do you have a verse? No, you really don't. I mean, the complementarians have their verses and the egalitarians have their verses. They have, you know, egalitarians have their logic and the complementarians have their logic. Um, you know, they, mm -hmm. they both will bring those to the table. Um, but obviously you can't just say, well, if you're an egalitarian, uh, clearly you just hate marriage. No, <laughs> that's not true. Well, and it's funny because I, I would have got taken it a different way. If you're a complementarian, then clearly you're anti-feminism. Yes, which is why which a is lot not, of... Which is not my take either. I would can, right. like my wife, I, I've said this on the show before, she considers herself to be as, as feministic as she needs to be in order to have the ability to do whatever she wants, whatever she needs to do to function well in society. So she's glad she can, she can vote and she's glad that she can go and do whatever job or not job uh, based on what, what we need to do as a family. And th this, I think I've also said on the show before that we, we once had a friend who said that my wife wasn't going to be living up to her full potential. You're not going to be living up to your full potential if you choose to be a homemaker. Ugh. And that's one of those types of anti-feministic standpoints that sometimes feminists like to say right. because they think that the only place you should be is working a job. Right. And so to, to make this in a difference of like complementarian, like that kind of concept is... Uh, there are a lot of people who would look at the Bible and say that Jesus was kind of the first feminist in the sense of he believed that women should have a like higher place or that they he valued women. There's a reason why when he was he, he rose from the dead, he went to women first. Yes, that's, that's he didn't very, go yep. to the men first. And I think part of that is because he knew the the women, they were uniquely gifted to be able to communicate this message and they would believe. Unlike some of the the, 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 the men who were told and did not believe until they literally touched his uh the the, the, the holes, scars, yep. The scars. They would not believe doubting Donnie Thomas. This is something we know. And so he knew that those women would be uniquely able to trust him and they would be able to communicate that message. And so he raised up women in that way. And people like to use that probably in a fairly correct sense that he recognized them for their abilities. And so the complementary view can make that kind of sense. Or you can take the exact same experience and see and say that the, the, in, the, in response that women were uplifted by Jesus Christ and therefore it's equal, even though there are other verses that say that they have their roles. So you really can't just say it is this way or the right. other. And a lot of times I would say my wife Karen and I, we look at this and I don't really see this massive view between complementary versus egalitarian because my wife and I, we are very complementary. We're very complementary towards each other. And we also discuss a lot of the actual decisions. We would say that there is a need to have like a head of a household, but then we'd go as far to say that I only have like 50.5% of the control or like 51% she has 49%. It's a company. Right. Yeah. Like we, we, there's still a lot of control here. We, we, I mean, I, I, I've it's, joked to her yeah. with her about how like the marriage is much better off, even if she doesn't even contribute financially, we're both significantly better off with these contributing viewpoints. Right. And the egalitarian, one of their big criticisms is that, um, complementarianism has led to a lot of the spousal abuse that you see. 
Mm. that a lot of the abuse of women has come from people who go, well, no, I'm head of the household, so you, you listen to me. It's like, right, but that's not, do you find that in the Bible where they, where people are going, yeah, well, you know, you abuse the wife. Hey, that sucks to be the support. Like, no, no, that's not a, that's not, that's not found in there. And, you know, I, I actually have the reverse, um, the reverse, <laughs> the reverse of uh, Jesus uplifting woman. Uh, so I guess the compliment, the extreme complementarianism side of it, which was um, my, my mom had a friend. And uh, when my mom got engaged, they went out strawberry picking and this, this friend uh, took her aside and, and took her to the car, you know, shut the doors and said, you know, um, you, the time in your life for making your own decisions is over. You now have oh. to listen to everything Bob says. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. You know, and it was like, excuse me, <laughs> like, um, you know, really that's, um, everything no yeah that's you know and now now you're the wife you know hey you know, the party's over and <laughs> well, anytime he wants yeah. to do it you have to be in oh yeah I, i've seen some of that stuff the i mean weird I, stuff like the, that yeah i mean I, some of the stupidest arguments I've ever seen was like people get mad they're like this view said that while the woman's pregnant she should be making sure her husband is happy how dare they like the well, horror i don't you know uh, i remember the outrage when um was it, I think it was Ice-T's wife. I think it was Ice-T, not Ice Cube. Um, <laughs> Ice-T's wife was like, oh yeah, no, I, 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 I perform, you know, I, I go down to them all the time. And she's like, I love doing it. People were like, how oh, dare she? You know, and yeah, it was. Anti-feminism. But the funny thing is, it was like, feminists were like, how could she say this? And I was like, I thought the whole point was to be sexually liberated. Um, mm -hmm. You know, so. And just, you, just a, just a marriage tip here. Uh, the, the the way to do well with your spouse is to use the metaphorical bank account where you just pour in all the time. So I make deposits and she make deposits and we're both happy. I literally so we we had our uh, I, I we had our second firstborn recently. Uh, his name is William, and uh, it's it, so I during this time so like my wife's been breastfeeding and I've been making her these smoothies with a lot of spinach and fruit and some honey and making it into a, a smoothie and pouring it in a little bit of ice cream. And I give that to her and she's just like, oh, like you're the best husband. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, thanks. Like you're sweet. And then she'll do like other things for me. And it's like, oh, like you're Aww. the best wife. And I really <laughs> appreciate it. And it's one of those things where we freely give to the other. So I think there are a lot of times where people from the feministic point of view, they see it as more companionship or a transactional system when those of us that are in relationships that are happy relationships really don't see it as a transaction no. if these were transactions there would be no love yeah so that's you can see how we we, we can go through uh, marriage we can go through almost all of these other things and the way a lot of this devolves into is uh, christians have a small problem where we almost have an inherent argument from authority. Mm -hmm. You know, um, what we'll do is because, because you have, we have a higher power. It's easy to kind of use the higher power to our advantage. Um, you know, I, you know, every Christian has encountered a situation, you know, we're, we're talking with somebody else, we're, we're going, and then all of a sudden, uh, somebody throws, you know, God laid on my heart. Oh, mm -hmm. that's a killer. Or the, uh, Jesus is love, you know, and it's like, what, what do you say to that? You know, no, he didn't, no, he isn't, you know, God laid on my heart. 
that uh, I should get exactly what I want. Uh, you know, what, what do you say to them? Uh, no, he didn't. I was there. No, no, no. <laughs> there's, there's almost no response. It's like a and, childlike point of view. Yeah. Um, like, I, I know somebody who is, is thoroughly convinced um, that a relative of theirs appears to them nearly constantly. I mean, it's, you know, he's, he's in the laundry machine when she wakes and, and on the dining room table when she goes to bed, you know, like he's just always appearing almost constantly. Has she and, been checked out? Um, no, and you know, it's, it's, you know, it's, it, you know, it is when you lose a relative it obviously is very rough and things like that. But, um, you know, when, like, how do you talk to somebody about that? Like, uh, I think only half of that's true. Like, how, how do you respond to something like that? You know, when somebody says, you know, you know, God worked a miracle in my life. What do you go? Uh, no, you just quit drinking. Like, that's not really, that. that's, you can't say that, um, you know, at least without gas and maybe a church change. And, uh, um, how dare you, you know? Um, yeah. Um, I mean, I know somebody else who was hilarious. He, he said that, um, he, he talked about how the church had left true teachings behind and theology and doctrine. So he joined the Unitarian Universalists. Oh no. I was like, that's not where you're going to find theology and doctrine there, buddy. That's, you know, and it, and it became kind of clear that he really, he wanted somewhere that he could rant about his beliefs and everybody would sit there and golf clap at the mm -hmm. end. Right. But, you know, he really wanted to let you know. I mean, I remember he used to screenshot some of my posts, cut my name off. He'd screenshot them, put it on his page and then just trash me. And it was like, you know me. Wow. You know, uh, some of the stuff he said about me was like, you know, I was like, oh, I, you know, this is somebody, this is the type of people, this is the type of person who ruins churches. Uh, you know, this is, you know, this is the sort of view that's led, uh, that's led our, our priest to, you know, um, th hate, hate women, all mm -hmm. the different, it just was, it, it, it wasn't good. And so, you know, we have to kind of understand that a lot of these phrases that come out of people, if somebody is purely saying that God has laid an emotion on their heart, then we are not going to have church policy and church theology be dictated by that. They may make a decision in their life. That's fine. They have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's great. Mm -hmm. So this is the response. If God laid something on your heart, then he's laid it on your heart for you. He has not laid it on the heart of the church international, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. Um, the Holy Catholic church with a small C is, um, there, when I attend a Protestant church, for some reason, they always like parentheses that, and they like have a gigantic, like, we, we're not Catholic. We just want everyone to remember, you know, I know outside <laughs> it says first Baptist, but just in case anyone forgot, um, <laughs> you know, like guys, everybody knows it means universal church. Like, come on. Um. You know, so that, that development is for a lot of people, you have to understand that when it's personal, then they can make the personal decision. But we're not making that personal decision, the whole thing. Um, mm -hmm. Like for one of those silliest ones I saw recently was, um, Mary wanted to overturn empire it was a sentence and it was boldly plastered across a video, uh, a photo of Mary, uh, standing on a skull, which is how I view the Virgin Mary, obviously, <laughs> um, it somehow that means Mary hated Kyle Rittenhouse and thought of Scandinavian healthcare. Somehow by the end of it, it meant that by the end of the mm. comment thread, that's what it meant. 
And, you know, and it's like, well, who's the empire? It's America. The evil empire, America. They're not only evil, they are racist. And not only are they evil and racist, they are white, evil, and racist. And, and you know, and so on and so forth. And it's, it, it's a lot of these phrases are meant to signify a deeper political belief that we want to shoehorn into a religious phrase. So it, that makes it sloganeering. And then I, once you've become a sloganeer, then there's no church left. It's, mm-hmm. it's not, it's not a belief. Um, it's theology as slogans is, is not a, you know, there, there's no. The memeism. <laughs> yeah. Almost. It, it turns it into almost that, you know, it's, um, it, it basically, you go from a mighty fortresses are God to a Chris Tomlin, uh, chorus as your theology. And it just is not the same. And you, you mm. lose a lot of meaning and you lose, it becomes too vague. Um, you know, so like I'll, I'll see phrases like, again, Mary want to overturn empire or I'll see something like, you know, um, there was one I saw recently that was talking about how, um, the, the church is for the poor and needy and, and casts away the rich. I was like, really? The it's... church throws people out? God, God says, well, hey, yeah, what, what, what did you make last year? Okay. The, the Bible does say that it's hard for the rich to go to heaven, Correct. but it does not say it is impossible. It's more that it says how important it is for right. us to understand that it's easy to fall in love with money. It, it is. I'm. It's have, a tool. Yeah. I mean, I, um, I, when I walk into a gun store, I fall in love with making money right away because mm-hmm. I want to buy everything in there. But yeah, it's you are their favorite customer. I know yeah. until you don't. The impulse buyer. I'm the fa- I'm the, definitely their favorite. Um, Ooh, I, I need this and this and this and this. I once saw some guy drop six thousand dollars on a credit card of guns on an impulse. I couldn't believe it. Ooh, wow! I was just he like that much money in the bank. He he walked in. He goes, "Yeah, I was just here to buy some ammunition today. Got anything behind the counter?" And they pulled out a couple things. They're like, "Here's this, this." And he goes, "Okay, uh, you know what?" I wasn't gonna, but I'll take that, 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 and that. Pulls out, he goes, how many credit cards can I put this on? I was like, oh my God, you gotta be kidding me. Um, yeah, if you have to put it all on more than one credit card, you don't have enough in the bank for it. Yeah. So I was like, that is, well, he had, he could only do 5,000 on one and then 1,000 on the other. So that was. Yeah, hot credit tip. That's a uh, 1,000 on one <laughs> means that he's already got way too much in credit. So, yeah, so that was, um, that was an entertaining time. Um, but, you know, that, but again, just to kind of get back to, you know, a lot of, how many people would argue, well, you know, obviously God, God doesn't want people killing others. Well, yes. Well, it doesn't Therefore, want people murdering others. Right. So it, it avoids the conversation and it right. avoids so, the application. So I, I want to take that back. So I had, I responded to somebody. I rarely respond to people on Facebook, mostly because it's. They're it's, all it's idiots. Not, well, I wasn't <laughs> going to say it that way, but I, I try not to, I don't want to involve myself in. A conversation where I know exactly where it's going to go. Yes. And I responded to somebody because I decided that maybe that they that they could be edified, and I was correct that we could have a good conversation. Um, but this person was saying that they don't understand how somebody could be pro life and also be quote pro death, or as in pro death penalty, because that's not that doesn't allow for their views of being pro-life to be consistent across uh, the, the, the lines. Very uh, common, it, yep. And, and, I, and I had to strike it, strike it back and say, so I would consider myself to be 
pro-life in the sense that I think it's morally wrong to go and murder your child, but I, I don't believe that that should make it completely illegal. However, when you say that I can't be pro-death penalty because that's not consistent, I don't think that's true. I think that it is consistent. The reason why it's consistent is because I value life. If somebody goes and murders somebody else, they should have known all along that if they murder somebody else, they themselves will be put to death right. for that crime. It, it, the crime, the, the, the discipline of being killed, the actual punishment, I would call that punishment, not discipline. The punishment of being killed for that choice is consistent because just because I believe, like I, I said to this person, you and I both believe that life is important. I would say it's sacred, but we at least both believe that it's important. That person who's willing to go kill somebody else doesn't believe that. However, we should still require that everybody understand that it is important even if that person doesn't realize that it's important or doesn't care, doesn't think it's important, we can uphold them to the law and say it doesn't matter if you're a psychopath. You still have to uh, you still have to live according to the law that we have told you shows that life is important. And therefore, by being pro-life and pro-death, I'm pro-life according to the entire side. I'm trying to keep people alive and keep criminals that would otherwise kill people from killing people because right. they know their life is on the line. Is it worth it? Right. You, that you need to put that you need to put your life on the line if you want to take some. Yeah. And that you can because obviously there's a difference, a massive moral difference between an action between an intentional action that results in the violation of somebody else's humanity and oh no, a baby was born. Mm -hmm. There's a massive moral difference in the two of those and a logical difference. A lot, And again, that's the problem and, with a lot of the God, sloganeering. God had proclaimed some people to death. There are people, like there are entire towns, like Sodom and Gomorrah. You know, there are entire towns where the, the concept that God had people die because of their sin. So yeah. you can't make the argument that, that God is completely... Everyone should, you know, he's, he's anti-death penalty on the basis of God is love. Right. And because God, because how, then are we just going to interpret everything off the phrase God is love? Anything can be love at any time. Um, any, any, that's the problem with slogans. They can fit exactly. so many things into it. It causes um, semantic overload. Mm -hmm. And you, when you have semantic overload, especially when you're discussing something as, as deep as theology. Semantic mm -hmm. overload simply confuses the conversation. Yeah. It yeah. ends the conversation. You can't have a That's debate true. when you say to somebody, love is love, like that is somehow theology that can be backed up from anything in the Bible or anything in life, or that it right. overrides anything because your brain, it kind of gets in a circular loop. It's perfect. It is a perfect circular loop right. where you go, love equals love. And then a logical person goes, equals love, equals love, equals love. So what? But the conversation's already over. Right. Because it's, and again, it, what they're basically shoehorning in is their version of love, their understanding of love. And anybody who challenges it is automatically against love as the concept. And that, 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 that ruins any, why it, do you think all these churches are splitting? It's because it they literally out, can't talk. Objective truth goes away. Uh, my wife listens to uh, Critical Role. And it's a big D and D show, and this this one off oh, yeah. that they were doing, uh, this lady, she was the the dungeon master for the the one shot, and she she said this. She goes, "I love that for you," and then she mm. says it. She says it both in satire and in and other times she says it seriously, <laughs> like, "Oh, you. I love that for you," and I think it brings up perfectly how there are times where uh, people bring up how 
something is for them that they need something like they need something. And so your response would be, oh, I love that for you. I would never do that. And the other response being, oh, I love that for you. Like, I genuinely appreciate where you're coming from. But it all undermines the fact that we are living in a time where people people respect subjective truth. I say truth with quotations over there versus objective truth, which is based in fact and based in reality. So we can't have those conversations if you say something like love is love. And when in response, I might be able to say, okay, well, what is your definition of love? Because I can give you a number of different places where you, uh, to back up my view that you are deciding who God is, even though the Bible defined it. Right. And I think uh, the, the, big, the best thing that was put, uh, when Matt Walsh put it this way, when you are deciding what something is, then you also must be deciding what something is not. Yeah. So when you say God is love, okay, so what is he not? And then it's funny because whenever you ask that question from a lot of these people that have slogans, and, you know, we've been ragging on left-wing slogans, but there are a good number of right-wing slogans that'll come, you know, that, that you know, God is American. You'll see that very often. Um, As if. Uh, I, I, I saw shared on Reddit, I don't know if it, this was a satire, but uh, somebody talking about how um, Kaylee McEnany is a descendant of um, Mary and Joseph's line. Oh my gosh, really? Yeah. Because you can see the few, the features of this line as it goes throughout the century. You're like, woo. Right. Um, you know. And even if that's true, so what? That doesn't yeah. mean anything she's, like everything she's ever said is suddenly. Right. right. She's on another level. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. you, you, you can see these. Elevated. Yeah. Um, you know, again, it's, you, you hear about, you know, when people talk about, you know, Christian soldiers, that suddenly starts to mean like. No, we literally want to go to war. It's like, I think this is more of a metaphor. It's more of a spiritual warfare. It's not, let's bomb the Democrats. That's <laughs> not the actual suggestion. It's like, nope, that's, that's what it means. Soldiers were with at war. You know, I was like, ah, right. you know, and like, it just, mm. it turns into it, but it becomes when, it, when your sentence is representing a thought process that requires multiple years and references to understand. It's no longer an actual sentence. It's more of a passcode and it's more of a lingo. And then you, you, you're actually almost creating your own tower of Babel. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that, that just, you know, I, you see all these like churches are splitting over music worship because they'll old say things new. Yeah. Old versus new, but they'll say something like, well, we prefer reverent music. Like, well, uh, People then you have to say, being, well, is, is contemporary music irreverent? Right. Is it, you know, is irreverent? Well, yeah, because there's drums, which was an, uh, the silliest thing I ever heard in my life. Well, um, that goes back to maybe when our parents were kids and they were told that you can't have Christian rock music. It's not right. a thing. You have electric guitar. Right. Exactly. Oh, yeah. my goodness. Yeah. Oh, I know. Yeah. So it's, it's, you know. Sinful. Yeah. So it, and again, what you'll often hear is, you know, people do use euphemisms and they do use things like, you know, I, I remember when my church was having the argument, somebody said, you know, David danced and everybody understood what he was talking about, but that's because everybody's been a Christian there for, you know, five so, billion years. sexually? Yeah. <laughs> Provocatively? Right. So, yeah, there's, exactly. So what, uh, which is funny because they use that is argument. grinding? So oh, that's, okay, I'll that, stop. That's, well, that's <laughs> the thing. It, it's funny. They, no, like, that does make sense. That, that brings it up because it was, it was, um, the specific church was Nazarene. So the, it was funny. They were, they were making the point that they should be able to use drums and electric guitar because David danced. 
However, they can't dance. Yeah. I mean, my, my sister would consider it Cedarville. And back in that day, oh, they yeah. had an actual written statement that you had to sign that said she would not dance while going to that school yes. on or off campus. And she basically told them, I can't sign this because of this. And they were like, oh, well, we've eased it. And she's like, it's a covenant. You can't just say you've eased it without changing the written words in your <laughs> right. covenant. But notice how they've they've now devalued other words that are very important to the Christian language just because of the, you know what I mean? So it's like, it, mm -hmm. it, yeah, we've eased the covenant. Could you imagine God being like, well, minor We've eased sins. the Ten Commandments. Yeah. It's not, yeah. it's not really, I know it says you shouldn't murder, but like, it's fine if you think about murdering those yeah. people. Be like, He's, Jesus literally said that thinking about it was sinful. Honor your mother and father. 90% oh, of the have time. To, yeah, exactly. Right, yeah. right. So, you know, obviously we, the, you know, the question we asked is, is Jesus a politic? And mm -hmm. I, I think no. for me, the answer is no. And Jesus is, a, is the son of God. And that may seem semantic as an answer. Um, but it, what it does mean is politics is a purely human level of description of an action, right? So politics is taking theory and putting it into action, right? That's, that's what it is. We don't play politics with God. That's never an option. That's not part of the Christian faith. Jesus at no point was like, negotiate your salvation. No. Well, he specifically said, don't do that, but you correct. will anyway. Right. So, you know, again, he's not a sociological concept. He's not a psychological standpoint. He's not a philosophy. He's a what's, real... What's amazing about this is that people want to put Jesus in the same box that they wanted to put Jesus in back in the day when he was born. Correct. They wanted him to overthrow Caesar and he didn't do it. And now, the, and again, then now they're, now they're saying Mary wanted to overthrow empire. What did the people who came to Jesus and said, overthrow empire? He went on. He said, no, he even, he said, give it to Caesar who is Caesar's. What is Caesar's? Yeah. Oh, I, I know some people would be very angry with that statement. Which right. Is funny. Because, it, because they would say, I don't want to pay taxes. And I would say, well, you probably should because Jesus paid taxes. He just magicked up a, a, you know, from a fish's mouth, you know, I literally said, go open that fish's mouth and take the coin out of it. I mean, that's, yeah, that yeah, we don't he, talk enough about that miracle in church. And no, then, we definitely don't. <laughs> uh, I'm waiting, I'm waiting for my bank account to suddenly have a nice shiny coin in it to pay taxes, but okay. Yeah. But you know, so it, it's important to keep the main thing, the main thing. It's important to remember that when you're saying Jesus is the son of God, he's not Donald Trump. He's not the president of the United States. He's not our model for how we want our Senator to look. That's not, that's not it. All right. He did not, he, he did not come to write Das Kapital. He did not come mm -hmm. to write Wealth of Nations. And we right. shouldn't be looking for a politician to save us in the name of God right. necessarily. Nobody gets to come and be the second coming of Jesus as a political figure in this sense. You don't get to have a senator, a house rep, or a president that says, I am Jesus, vote me in. That would right. be heresy, obviously. Right. And yeah, and that's why also we have, you know, we, we say that we're dead to the law. Why? Because there is an actual law of God that is in place. It has not been taken away. Um, you'll find that there's actually a lot of Christians that are very uncomfortable with the idea that the law is still in play because it would actually mean that there's, um, it, it's serious. And they'd have to actually read the Old Testament. Um, Yikes. But, you know, it, it does mean that there is a law of God. It's in place. And if you are not following it, then your only hope is Jesus Christ as the Savior. That's the only hope you have. 
that is so, the only hope you have. Right. So we're not conflating that with should the tax rate be 15 or 20%. Those two things right. aren't, in the, they're not even in the same realm. There was a time where I definitely wondered because my parents definitely raised me as a Christian and I thought, well, where does that come from? The concept that you would give 10, 15, whatever percent of your gross or net income and looking in the Bible and going, there literally never was a number. It's just Americanized that we have applied a number or maybe even further back than America, but it was culturally implicated as something that we do. And therefore, there are plenty of things that we do because of the culture that we were born into. True. And we we typically what we'll often try to do is we'll try to squeeze Jesus into our specific policies mm -hmm. because we'll we'll try to say, you know, Jesus would be a Republican. He'd be a Democrat. He'd be the, you know, um, and it is true. There are things that have come from Christianity. The, there is a specific Christian concept of freedom. There's a specific Christian concept of, you know, how how to deal with criminals. There's a whole specific way of viewing things that has come from Christian theology that we do have in our society because we built our society on Judeo-Christian principles. Mm -hmm. That does not mean that because you support a policy or because you think that your values as a Christian support the policy, Jesus then supports the policy or that he's even involved in it. And even if Jesus did support the policy, he still might be giving you a stare down for the way you're going about it. Mm-hmm. Right. The just because process you're right. is important and right. so is the outcome. Yeah. Just because you're right doesn't mean um you're being Christian about it. Um, you know, I, I I know I know people who they'll say something and I fully agree with them. But then the second somebody disagrees with them, the person's the the insults, the slurs, the names that come out of that's like, dude, I don't agree with you anymore just because I don't like this. That's not that I don't I don't want to even talk to you. You know, I, yeah, you hear, you know, the, the person's bringing out this, the C word because the, because a woman's being a feminist. That's not, whoa, 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 whoa. don't tell me you're a Christian. Get out of here. You know what I mean? And he goes, well, no, I am because, uh, because, you know, feminism, it takes down what the way that God wanted things done. That might be true. But you're not you're not going about it in a Christian manager manner. You're not applying your values as a Christian in terms of how we love others in this situation, right? You told her what you thought was right. She disagreed, and then you went, "Yeah, well, I'm going to condemn you to hell today." That, that's not <laughs> right, you know. So when we're called by God, we're not told by God. We're we're not told do this and then you will enter heaven. And too many of uh, modern Christian politics have become that. And that might be a result of um, such a long heritage of cultural Christianity. We've got a bunch of people that are, they're nominally Christian. Mm -hmm. So they don't really know what else to appeal to. So they just kind of come up with Christian explanation for things because, the, again, going back to the argument from authority, it's easier to say, you know, God is in this than going, well, I think I'm smarter than you, therefore I'm right. Because they don't know how else to argue. They they just want to, they just want to tell you you're wrong. So you know we don't get into heaven by reading the rule book. Just it just isn't the way. Um, and again, Jesus is the Son of God. He is. He's not a politic. He's not a set of policies. 
right? He's the son of God. He came to seek and save that was that which was lost. That's mm -hmm. what he came to do. Okay. He gives you a path to follow him. He left the word of God and the Holy Spirit for us to guide us on the way of following him. But we, we do not know the zoning laws. We don't know the tax policy. We don't know the foreign policy. That's not, mm -hmm. that, that has not been laid down for us in, in the Bible. We have ways of inferring it. We have logic and reason that we can use, but there is no New Testament biblical order for all Christian countries. That does not exist. Thanks for listening. And if you have a comment, question, or rant, we'd love to hear it. Email us at bluestateconversations at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook and find our articles on Medium. If you like this podcast, share it with a friend. No matter what state you're in, blue, red, or purple, there is always room at the table to discuss your views in a way that lets us all grow. 